eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner, alongside Swamp 247 staff reporter Graham Hall. Uh, and we are here to talk to you about something that we haven't covered a whole bunch on the podcast, but we'll start to do so uh, as we get deeper into the month of January and throughout February and March. Uh, and that is Florida basketball. The Gators are 10 and 8 in their first season under new head coach Todd Golden. Uh, they were on a little three game win streak, which was snapped uh, last night, being Wednesday, January 18th, recording this on January 19th. Uh, that win streak was snapped in a, in an interesting loss, a narrow loss, uh, at Texas A&M, a game that Florida looked to not really be in, in the first half, but managed to make a, uh, pretty impressive comeback in the second half that just kind of fell short. Uh, we are going to recap that game first before talking about kind of our takes on the Todd Golden era overall. And a Graham, I will throw it to you, uh, just kind of with our first topic of the day. And that is that performance at Texas A&M, the Gators, uh, really struggled in the first half. 12 points, 2 of 26 shooting from the field, uh, and go down 23 to 12. So a, a testament to their strong defense, uh, but a pretty clear uh, picture of the struggles that this offense is going through. What, what were your takeaways from that one, and kind of what did you see, especially in that first half? Yeah, we'd watched this Texas A&M team two weeks ago when they came into Gainesville and played a very similar aggressive defense, but didn't hold Florida nearly as in check in that game in the first half as they did uh, last night, Jacob. I mean, two for 26 from the field for in the first half for the Gators. I mean, it was just quite a, you know, a shocking performance from an offensive perspective there in the first half. And I think we've talked a lot about this. You know, Florida has, has a lot of confidence that they're getting good looks and that those looks are going to fall, right. but they couldn't hit anything in the first half in that game. And, Maybe that I think speaks to their current fortune when it comes to the offensive shooting woes, but maybe it also speaks to just how you know limited this team is from an offensive perspective. When they're not hitting open three-point shots, they're not a great team when it comes to attacking the rim. They don't get a lot of easy baskets, and when their shots aren't falling, you can see a very dismal offensive half like we saw last night, but like what you just said, that defense kept them in the game and made it so that even when they were shooting, what, 7% from the field, you couldn't sit there and say, hey, this team is completely out of it. They're going to lose this game. Because we've seen time and time again, Florida has had slow starts, 
has shot the ball poorly, but their defense has kept them in the game and they've been able to, you know, come back and, and win some of those, especially recently here, which we'll talk about more in a second. But last night they weren't able to overcome that and close it out, had a shot at the buzzer that, that would have given them a win, but fell short on the road to Texas A&M for the second time in two weeks. The Aggies stay hot, haven't lost since December 20th, but Florida still has, I think, a lot to figure out from an offensive perspective so that they don't waste impressive defensive performances like they had uh, on Wednesday against the Aggies, because that's a tough pill to swallow when you're playing really, really good defense, top 10 defense in the half court, and you're just not producing on the offensive end to give you a chance to win those games. It's like I said, a tough pill to swallow in Florida experienced that last night, Jacob. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I, I think what's interesting and you mentioned it briefly is what leads to the offensive struggles uh, there. You could make a reasonable argument, or at least, you know, if you weren't watching the games and you were looking at the statistics, one might be led to think that this is a, a, a purely coaching problem and players aren't being put in good spots to take good shots. I don't necessarily think that that's true. You and I have talked about that and it's been written in, in a lot of our content. The looks aren't bad. They're, they're, they're getting good looks, especially from three. They're just ice cold shooting. And it is, it, it's it's disheartening to watch because it's not like this game against Texas A&M was the first time where this happened. Against Missouri, Florida opened down 11-0 because the Tigers were able to basically score at will. Florida couldn't get the lid off the basket. Uh, against Georgia, Florida, another game that Florida won, Florida trailed by as much as 13 in the first half, cold shooting again the culprit. Uh, LSU, a game that Florida won, same situation, cold shooting in the first half, reasonable deficit. Defense keeps them in the game. They come back in the second half when things start to heat up. Um, I do think that Florida has adjusted well offensively at halftime, and we saw that in this game against Texas A&M. Florida scores 40 points in the second half, 40% shooting from the field, which is night and day from the first half. I guess my question, though, is how much blame do you assign to coaching in these scenarios when it comes to, hey, this team is not scoring with any sort of consistency, and they aren't? I mean, it's been 18 games and I don't know that we've seen a game against a high-caliber high opponent where Florida has looked good offensively for 40 minutes. And how much of that do you assign to the play and, and just guys maybe being cold and having the yips? We, we've talked about it before, but I think interesting to get your perspective on the podcast here. Yeah, I think it's a little bit too soon to assign any blame to the coaching staff right now. I, I think the perspective to keep in mind is that this is 18 games here. And this is a coaching staff that is still really in the bridge phase. And what I mean by that is where they're coaching, but they're in the middle of kind of setting their foundation, turning over from the previous regime, and they still have half of the team from last year's team. So to sit here and make proclamations about this current coaching staff, when we haven't seen them recruit a, a full cycle still, when we haven't seen them you know, have a full year to land the transfers implement their system, get multiple off seasons, what it takes to build a program in college basketball. It's, I think just too soon for me to make any grand proclamations about sure. a team's coaching prowess and, and their acumen uh, as coaches right now. But what it, I do think from watching the games, and again, you can only glean so much from the actual, you know, in-game results. What I do get from the games is that this is a coaching staff that, like you just said, does a really good job at when they have 20 minutes to assess the product that they put out there, their team and the opposition, they do a really, really phenomenal job at adjusting. And that's not even just, uh, you know, indicated by this most recent contest. You've seen Florida turn the tide 
in several games recently against yep. Georgia, against at you know at LSU, Missouri this past week. I, I think that you've seen repeatedly this team handle being down and then just figuring out what adjustments they had to make over the final 20 minutes. If they can find a way, and maybe this is, this comes down to some pregame scouting, finding a better way to have the team ready for the intensity of some of these games, maybe when we can make you know speculative takes about this coaching staff, their relative newness to not even just the SEC, but the power six level of college basketball makes it so that they're still, I think, feeling out how grueling these 40 minutes can be and how much you have to come prepared and what it takes to, you know, pump your players up before those games. That's a possible speculation that I think people could make about this coaching staff. They'll just need a little bit more experience in the SEC and make adjustments to um, their pregame routines in that regard. But when it comes to actually judging how this team is, you know, and their coaching staff fair right now, I, I think you have to kind of put an asterisk right now in what you're seeing just because of the relative newness, the the small sample size, of course. And if this becomes, I think, a, a pattern where we're still, you know, here in year two, year three, talking about Todd Golden teams taking slow starts, then I think that you absolutely will be able to make a little bit more, to use that term, proclamations um, about, coaches and their style of coaching and their shortcomings and and what they're great at but right now we're still too early here in Gainesville to make any of those uh, about Todd Golden in my mind I think that really the biggest thing that games like this underscore are that you have to come prepared every single night a Texas A&M team one that didn't make the NCAA tournament last year but has beaten Florida now three team three times in the last 10 months I mean they realize with Buzz Williams that they're going to have to come prepared every single night in this conference. And that's something that yeah. Florida, I think, is still uh, finding their way to collectively embrace that mentality. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast that's well said and i i think one thing it's interesting to look at after these kinds of games is where florida still stacks up nationally in certain statistical categories florida actually didn't move a whole lot uh as a result of yesterday's performance they the team has been uh, 
you know, ranked in the top 50 on Ken Palm. They were heading into the game yesterday. They were 44th. They remain 44th at 10 and 8 despite the loss. And actually, they, they had some improvement on the defensive side, which is what we can talk about here next. Uh, Florida is the 13th best adjusted efficiency defense in the country. Uh, they've been excellent in that capacity. They're limiting opposing teams to a 45% effective field goal percentage. It's the 18th lowest in the nation. Uh, opposing teams have a 43.9% conversion percentage from two-point range. It's the 16th lowest in the nation. Uh, Florida has a 14.8 block percentage. A lot of that uh, credit goes to Colin Castleton. That's 18th highest in the country. Uh, Castleton, who I just mentioned, is actually the 17th best shot blocker by percentage among all qualified players. Uh, This is a defense that has been phenomenal. So while the offense has, I would go as far as to say, been a little bit concerning uh, through 18 games, I think one of the biggest positive takeaways with this team has been that defensive effort, and we saw that in the game against Texas A&M. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think especially not even just to, you know, use the term sample size again, as much as I want to talk about just that one game at Texas A&M, this is really something that has been a continued storyline for the past six weeks in my mind. Florida really struggled in transition defense in the beginning of the season. They were getting beat down the floor, and I understood why they were making an attempt to improve as a defensive team, get second chance opportunities. When your offense isn't great, you want to obviously increase your possessions. And one way to do that is to crash the offensive glass and get second chance opportunities. But when you aren't getting those rebounds, you expose yourself to getting beaten transition. And Florida was absolutely suffering as a result of that. I think it was a huge reason why they lost to, to FAU this season early on. I think it's why they, you know, struggled especially there after a a promising start, it was because the transition defense and eventually they kind of just to use Todd Golden's term, just kind of realized that they're going to have to cut their losses in a sense here and any rebounds, second chance opportunities they could get were just bonuses in a sense. They had to get back in transition, play really, really good in the half court. And since they've done that six weeks ago, this has become a top defensive team in the country, not even just the sec, but in the country when Florida can, get back in transition, get into their defense. You have a bunch of guys who have the ability to guard multiple positions. I mean, Kyle Lofton can guard both spots in the backcourt. Myron Jones is a better defender than I think he gets a lot of credit for. Alex Fudge can guard one through five. Will Richard can guard one through four, maybe even one through five. I mean, he's got great size at being six foot five. This is a team that, and Colin Castleton has improved as a ball handler, and now he's confident now stepping out of the three-point line, contesting three-pointers. This is a team that has improved defensively. Really good shot-blocking team, as you mentioned, Jacob. Colin Castleton leading the SEC in blocks, more than three per game right now. Had another six-block game against the Aggies. This is a team that defensively, that's their bread and butter right now. If they can get into transition as a result of their good defensive play. If they can hit a few more three-point shots, when this team hits eight or more three-pointers, they are a very, very tough team to beat. Doing that is easier said than done, obviously, but it starts with their defense. You know, you used the term the other day, backbone. If that's what Florida relies on when they go on the road and gives them a little bit of confidence and helps them, you know, score, uh, at the other end as a result of their defense. I think that absolutely is the case with this team right now. They live and die by their defense right now. Although as you saw in college station, when they don't hit shots, when they struggle to score fantastic defense, sometimes is not enough. It's just getting that to be enough 
from an offensive perspective, that is what Florida is searching for right now and is going to make the difference here as we continue to get into February when it becomes do or die a little bit more for Florida. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is, and if you you know head over to uh, swamp247.com, uh, where we have much more coverage of the Florida basketball, football, and baseball teams, and obviously if you subscribe, you're going to get more of the whole package uh, than you will on the podcast, but... Uh, if you over on the site after the game last night, as a part of our five takeaways from the game, one of the things that we wrote about was Colin Castleton, literally a day before this game, said, it's great that we're a great defensive team, and it's amazing that it allows us to come back after these slow offensive starts, but our luck will run out. Our luck is going to dry up at some point, and there will come a time in which our defense is simply not enough to be able to get us back in front if we don't start quickly. And so that, it, it, you know, it's interesting that, less than 24 hours later that's exactly what happened florida was unable to overcome a poor offensive start and, and its defensive performance was good but but not enough so uh you know the way you said it was perfect i think that this is a team that really needs to try and find some balance here they've been amazing defensively throughout the season but again i think that that especially in sec play puts you at risk of losing games that you otherwise had a chance to win i think that sec teams are so good especially right now that it makes it challenging to be as lopsided as Florida has been. They're a great defensive team, and it absolutely gives them a shot, but you can't go two of 26 from the field and expect to win a game and, and score 12 points in the first half. I believe I saw somewhere that that was Florida's lowest scoring total in a half since like 1966 or something like that. So uh, it's a, it, there's just no way. You, you can't do that. And granted, it, it's even more impressive, arguably, that Florida only lost by two. But, but yes, it, it, these incomplete performances, especially in SEC play, uh, are going to become a challenge. And it brings me to my next point, Graham. Uh, it doesn't get easier for Florida over its next couple of games. This is a pretty hard stretch. Uh, they have Mississippi State on the road on Saturday before a home game against a not-so-good South Carolina team. And then it's just it's just not a good stretch. Uh, Florida will face Kansas State, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, all in a, in a stretch of very, very difficult games before things kind of taper off and the Gators get to face the bottom of the conference. But uh, I see opportunity here for a Florida team that I think is not necessarily on the tournament bubble right now, but maybe hovering somewhere slightly off of it uh, with a chance to get back on with some big wins here. Uh, Graham, what are the chances of this team reaching the NCAA postseason? And again, uh, just how important will this stretch of games be where Florida does play exclusively other than South Carolina quad one opponents? I think Florida is going to be on the cusp of the NCAA tournament really for the next month. It's going to be really a consistent storyline of how they're going to, you know, taper waiver back and forth between being on the bubble, being one of those last four teams in being out. I think that they will ultimately need an SEC tournament win as the season progresses, but you know, probably the saddest thing about losing at Texas A&M is that was one of those games that, as you mentioned, was a very winnable contest for Florida. And it was part of this, in my mind, pretty easy stretch here. I thought that Missouri, even though they were a ranked team, obviously LSU, but including Texas A&M and then a Mississippi State team, I think the two Mississippi teams are two of the worst in the SEC right now. And then South Carolina has uh, just, they've had a few embarrassing results. I'll say that. I think they lost by 40 points to Texas A&M just the other week. This is a team that, you know, they're going to get beat up on by the rest of the SEC and the Gators are going to have to get their conference victories where they can get it before you get into the likes of having to go to Tennessee, play Alabama, Arkansas, 
you know, you're going to have to play LSU again to end the season, Kentucky twice still in February. So I think that Florida is going to need to get those SEC victories where they can get them. And these next coming games are certainly going to be ample opportunities for Florida to do that, get two more victories here. And then they play, as you mentioned, Kansas State, uh, a team with Keontae Johnson that just knocked off Kansas. Looks really, really good. Great to see him back killing it. It's a fantastic story in my mind, but his you know, re- revenge tour may come at the expense of a, a Florida, um, you know, loss here late in January. So the Gators are certainly going to be on the bubble the rest of the season here in my mind. If they can get to nine SEC wins with this slate, where they are in Ken Palm, where they rank from, you know, a numbers standpoint, how good this team has been. If they can get to nine SEC victories, even though that's only going to be sitting there at you know, 17, 18 wins, which is not a lot. You don't see a lot of 17, 18 wins make it, you know, to the NCAA tournament. That is a pretty rare thing. But with Florida's, you know, strength of schedule, how good this team has been, they could be the team that does it here. I, I think if they can get to nine, get get six more wins in conference play, win one in the tournament, maybe beat Kansas State, that'd be incredible if they go on the road and do that. This team can absolutely make it here, but they're going to have to start capitalizing and winning some of these games. They can't have these one possession losses, which have certainly been what has been tough to stomach for Florida here. You know, losing to Texas A&M twice by one possession, losing to Auburn on the road by three points. I mean, Florida, that could come back to bite them here when we're counting victories at the end of the season here and the Gators are coming up one or two short, Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. And just looking it over right now, Florida has lost. Uh, quick scan, three, four games have by three or fewer points already this season. So a lot of one possession close losses for this team. And just to fill in statistically on a couple of things that Graham was just talking about, Florida also ranks 21st in overall strength of schedule this season. It's the second hardest schedule in the SEC behind Alabama. Uh, they are 10 and eight overall, three and three in the conference. And then if you look at the Ken Palm projections, uh, Florida's projected finish is 17 and 14 overall with a nine and nine record. Uh, in conference play. So uh, should be interesting to see where this team stacks up with regard to the tournament. Uh, SEC tournament could have massive implications for this team. Clearly um, a win or two there could go a long way uh, and we will keep it uh, you know, locked on Swamp 247 with regard to basketball coverage and keeping you informed about where this team stands with regard to the postseason. Uh, and with that being said, definitely make sure you check us out over on the website, we've got the message board community over there where we are sharing lots of insider information all the time, uh, as well as posting written content uh, and our podcast situations over on the uh, site. And we would encourage you to check us out. Also, if you are watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the support. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. We would love to respond. Uh, and and give us your thought. Give give you our thoughts. Boy, I'm a mess at the end of this show. You can make fun of me in the comments. Uh, anyway, I'm going to sign off before it gets worse. For Graham Hall, my name is Jacob Rudner. We will see you on the next episode of the Swamp Two Four Seven Podcast. Have a good one. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.